everyone here this morning for this worship service. We are more than two or three. So let's uh, worship God in spirit and in truth that God will be glorified. Um, before we do go into the word, are there any greetings to the church? <clears throat> Agnes, Sister Agnes, extended greetings. Thank you. Sorry? Sister Sigrid Reinhardt, extended greetings. Thank you. Millie extended greetings. She wasn't feeling well today, so she, don't, she didn't even go to the choir. <laughs> Any other greetings? Uh, just uh, a few announcements that we are, I'm sure, very well aware. Um, I haven't seen the focus of the month yet for February, so um, we'll wait for that. If you still want to uh, donate to Hope Ministries, you're more than welcome to do so for the month of January. Um, Lord willing, this coming Wednesday will be sort of a combination of uh, preparation for the midwinter sing, for the arrangements, for the organization, as well as some singing, uh, unless they've decided otherwise, depending on how much time we have left after the cleaning. But uh, it looks like it may be singing. Um, the midwinter sing will be Lord Dwelling on next Sunday, regular services 10:30 in the morning and around around about 2:30 in the afternoon and saturday night will be inspiration hour and that's going to be led by brother uh, devon baronka he was he is the son of sister Leila and octavian who had passed away many years ago from from cancer so those that do want to do a special number his email is in in the uh, announcements. I don't know if I've forgotten anything, but any other announcements before we go into the message? Please do extend greetings to those that you are with and extended greetings to us. And uh, before we do look into the word, let's bow our heads in prayer. <clears throat> Loving Father in heaven, all glory, honor, and praise be unto thee who sits upon the throne in majesty and in glory with thy son, the Lord Jesus Christ, at thy right hand side. Father, we thank thee for your presence with us as you have promised where two or three are gathered together in your name. You will be with us in our midst through Jesus Christ, your son. And we pray that you would open our hearts this morning hour, that you would be our teacher and that all that are listening, whether here or on teams, uh, that our hearts will be opened and that your name will be glorified through the fruit that the word brings in our lives. We pray for those that are sick, that cannot be uh, here with us or even on uh, the social media that we have. We pray that you would uh, 
be with them, that you'd bless them, that you'd keep them and comfort and strengthen them, especially those that are going through a very difficult time in their recoveries. We ask these things and give you thanks. We pray it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. With the Lord's help, I'd like to turn to the gospel according to Luke, chapter 19. Luke, chapter 19, the gospel of Luke. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I will restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek to save that which was lost. I have read up to and including verse 10. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's all bow for a prayer. O loving Father in heaven, we come before thy throne of grace in this quietness this morning. We implore thee, we beseech thee to hear our humble cry. You said you would be with us in our midst and we believe it. But we also pray that you would also visit each heart individually as the word goes forth, first to the preacher and then to all of us. Father, we pray that we would be wise and respond in not only hearing your word but doing it. that wisdom, true wisdom, is practicing what we know is true. And we know your word is truth. And the Lord Jesus said and prayed and pleaded with thee, the living God, to sanctify us with thy truth. Your word is truth. Father, we pray that 
each and every one of us may be uplifted and strengthened here and throughout your body throughout this world as the word rings out because of so much falsehood because so, of so much untruths and lies that the enemy of our souls is sowing. Father, we pray especially for those that we know that are near and dear to us and that we love, that do not know Thee as Lord and Saviour, as Redeemer. We pray that You would reach deep down into their hearts and and make the changes through your Holy Spirit and convict them to surrender all, to surrender everything to you. When they wonder why they don't have peace with God, when they wonder why they do not know whether they should be baptized or not, we pray that there will be a total surrender. We pray that there will be a total submission to your word, to your will, to your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray for those that are sick and shut in, for those that have been struggling with illness and pain and suffering for such a long time. Our hearts go out to Sister Olga Ordog, Sister Margaret Nagy now, and to especially our friend Lily Vukov. Lord, we plead for them that you would be merciful and gracious to them and give them healing and strengthening and that you would make your presence known and felt and accepted. They would find comfort in it, in your word, in your children, Father, we pray for Sister Elizabeth Bayford, who is recovering from a surgery, be a comfort and strength and healer. And there are many that we can continue on naming, but you know each and every one of them. And we pray that you would be merciful and gracious to them and they would feel your presence. Father, we pray for those that are going through difficult uh, situations in their lives, whether it be financial, whether it be relationships, whatever it may be, Lord, we pray that you would provide for them and that they would seek you, their dependency on you, as we have learned from what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 that we are not to be anxious for the things of this world that you will provide and that you'd grant them the, the strength and the confidence and the faith that you will provide. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Lord, we pray for those that are visiting Avon Road. We pray a blessing upon them, upon the congregation as they minister in word and song and we pray O lord for 
as we have prayed many times in the past for the government as your command is to pray for those that have the rule over us that we are to pray for all men lifting up holy hands and thank thee for having a, a quiet and peaceable life that we do have we pray that your Holy Spirit will convict and change be with us now Lord be our teacher be our strength be our comfort we commend all things into your care and keeping and pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. <clears throat> we have heard this um, and read this account of Jesus as he was passing through Jericho. Jericho, if you remember, was the first city that the nation of Israel entered crossing the Jordan River. And they had such a convincing victory there because of the faith of the people, because of their obedience. Joshua was taking in the second generation the generation that Moses did not take in because of his disobedience when he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock for water and didn't sanctify God in the presence of the people. Yet we know that Moses did go to glory eventually. Not the physical promised land but the heavenly land. Because Jesus met him and Elijah in the Mount of Transfiguration. And we know that this city, according to many, is probably the, one of the oldest cities of all civilizations. And it's been uncovered, discovered by many archaeologists and uncovered. They've exposed the walls that were spoken of in biblical times. And that's not the main thrust of this account. The main thrust of this account was, was a very, diminut if you can say, diminutive man. He was a short man of short stature. He was also a publican, a tax collector who to the Jewish people was a traitor to the nation because he was working for the Romans to collect taxes and not only collect taxes but way above what he was supposed to collect even though the Romans allowed him to do that as incentive for him to want to work for them. And he was the chief among the publicans, the tax collectors meaning he was probably the organizer. Maybe he took even a cut from all his people that worked for him. You get that today too. You get someone at the top of a Ponzi scheme or someone at the top of some, some uh, illegitimate operation, he gets the biggest cut because he's the brains of the outfit, right? So was Zacchaeus. 
He was the chief. But in all of his workings, in all of his life as a tax collector, don't forget that the very first gospel we have another tax collector whose name was Matthew. And he was collecting up in Capernaum area. One by one, even the vilest, if you will, of criminals, of enemies of Israel, they couldn't resist when they see, when they saw the works of Christ, especially in his early ministry, when they saw the many miracles, the many wonderful deeds that he did, the feeding of the five and the six thousand people, the opening of the eyes of the blind, the raising of the dead, the opening the ears of the deaf, all of these miracles, they couldn't uh, deny that he was somebody different. There were many messiahs, quote unquote, that came out of Israel who wanted to lead a revolution against the Romans. There was one called Bar Kokhba. He was the star of, the, if you will, to the Jewish uh, people. It's like the star of the Reformation was Wycliffe. But he was the star to the Jewish people. He, was gonna, he looked like he was the promising Messiah. And he got cut down. And then Gamaliel in chapter 5 of, of Acts he mentioned to the Jewish people that arrested the apostles and wanted to do more damage and harm to them and imprison them and beat them. And Gamaliel says, brethren, hang on a second. You remember what happened in the past? There was a Thutis and a Judas, I believe, and how they rose up and they were cut down And he said, if, they, if, if the, these movements were of God and they were cut down, God will bring it down to naught. Then God will reveal to us. If, 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 if they were not of God, they'd be cut down. If they were of God, then we'd be working against God. And so... He had a lot of wise counsel for his own Jewish people. Jesus, on the other hand, he went about doing good. He wasn't causing, he wasn't attacking the Roman nations. He had a man in his uh, 12 that was a, a supposedly a zealot. And the zealots were the ones that were training to eliminate the Roman army as much as possible. But even he became a follower of Jesus Christ. But Jesus himself taught them, as we've been learning in the, the, the Beatitudes, to not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. Show that you are indeed of God by showing 
the character of God in your walk, in your talk. So somehow, Zacchaeus heard or maybe even witnessed some of these miracles that Jesus did. And he wanted to see Jesus. He sought to see Jesus, who he was. And he could not because of the crowd. There are too many. And he was too short. He was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. You see, when somebody wants something so badly, he'll start thinking, how am I going to get what I want? I had someone at uh, last week at work when they came questions as to why didn't you pursue this particular equipment? Why did you pursue that equipment? We know now that equipment is problematic. So, well, somebody else recommended it. Well, you're the, you're the designer. You do your due diligence and you find out about that equipment. So why didn't you go after the other equipment, which was also in the report? He said, well, I don't have their number. I don't have their contacts. I thought, that's an irresponsible response for someone who is leading this major design. I said, you know what, I've got their number, I called them, I found it, I asked them questions. You know why? Because I'm responsible too for oversight. The point that I'm getting at is we can come up with all kinds of excuses why we are not seeking Christ. Why We aren't Christians. We can come across all kinds of excuses. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, how do you find the kingdom of God? Knock. Seek. Ask. Knock, seek and ask. Are you waiting for someone to come to you and to tell you everything and give you all the answers now you have the answers now you can get baptized or are you actually knocking seeking and asking because in that process of knocking seeking and asking that's where you become changed that's called conversion conversion is the turning around there's not a lot of words of conversion in in the bible for that matter in the New Testament, you may have two or three words converted, conversion, conversion of the Gentiles. Unless you, be, unless you become as little children and be converted, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18. But that's about maybe another, it doesn't say everywhere converted, conversion. But the Old Testament said many, many, many times, turn ye, return unto the Lord. Come back. That's what conversion is all about. Returning. Making that change to come back to the Lord. And how you do it is like the, what, like the, the, the uh, writer of Proverbs, Solomon says, get wisdom. I love that term. 
how do you get wisdom? He said, get it with all your getting. As if to say, anyhow you, 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 you can get it. Look for it. Seek it. You know, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like unto a man that he found a pearl in the field. But legally, it wasn't his pearl because it wasn't his field. So he went back and he sold everything that he had. Everything that he had. And he purchased the field so he could get the pearl. Have we done that? Are we willing to sell everything that we have so we can get the pearl? But I'll lose everything that I have. You'll get the pearl. Which is far more, far more valuable. Jesus said, if any man wants to follow me, let him deny himself. He said, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Zacchaeus was beginning to realize that. Maybe he had been working for a long time, being a chief. He went to the top and, and he realized that he wasn't happy. Money did not make him happy. He lost a lot of friends. He was isolated, maybe very lonely. And you lose a lot of friends being that way. Those people that, and we've seen many of these uh, uh, instances in, in, in recent days where people that are scamming people, that are stealing things, that have these rings, they're in hiding. They have to, they're, they're prisoners to their money. Because everything they do, they've got to make another lie to cover up that lie, to hide in secrecy, and they're not free at all. Zacchaeus probably realized by this time all my striving to make money was for naught. So he ran. He did something was maybe ridiculous that he would go into a tree. Who else was in trees at that time? He'd go up in a tree, he'd be making a gazing stock, but he had to see Jesus. He ran before. He ran. He didn't walk. He didn't take his time because Jesus Christ was passing by. Sinner lift to him night and eye. As we sing. Because he knew that Jesus was going to pass that way. There's probably just that one road, the main road, where everybody was following him. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, where did he know his name from? You know, Jesus spotted the sinner. But Jesus also spotted Nathaniel under the, under the tree, the fig tree. He spotted him. And he told him about, his, about himself. He said to the others, look, behold, an Israelite, a true Israelite in whom there is no guile.
Because Jesus saw him under the fig tree and knew him. And Nathaniel questioned him. What, how do you know these things? He said, how do I know these things? I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to see the Son of Man. And angels ascending and descending unto the Son of Man. I'm going to tell you more things, more precious things that you don't know of yet. As we heard a couple of weeks ago, that I hath not seen nor ear heard the things that are prepared for those that love him. For if they had knew that he was indeed the princes of this world, if they had known that he was indeed the Messiah, they wouldn't have crucified him. But they had a chance to know. They, but they didn't do the seeking, the knocking, the asking, the running, the climbing. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Not like the rich young ruler who was sad when he was told, sell everything. So he knew Zacchaeus. And he said, make haste, come down, for today I must abide in your house. What does that mean, must? You know, we are very particular in our field. When, you, when we write out statements, the constructor shall, the constructor should, the constructor can, the constructor may, they're all different words. When you use the word shall or must, there is no option. You have no choice of doing anything else. You must do it this way. If it says you should, this is a recommended way, but you have the latitude to do it another way. Jesus said, I must. Why? Perhaps because if I didn't, you've lost your chance. I must come to your house today. And he made haste. Again, he made haste as if he was anticipating something and received him joyfully. He can tell that he was looking for something and he finally has the opportunity now to speak eye to eye, face to face with the master. And what was Zacchaeus saying? He stood Zacchaeus stood up and said unto Jesus, Behold, Lord, he called him Lord. He's already made up his mind. He, was, he had made up his mind. Maybe that was a sign he was looking for. If he calls me to my house, I know that's from, he's God. He said, if I have half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusations, I restore unto him fourfold. If he knew he did. Half of my goods I give to the poor. Maybe he was thinking, well, I earned some of it, but I'm giving half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything by falsely Accusing someone of not giving their fair share, which he, they could easily do that. You, no, no, you've got to own more. He, 
The more he gets, the more commission he gets. He said, I'll repay him four times as much. And Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house for as much as he is also a son of Abraham. So let's just stop there. If you go to the book of Leviticus, go through chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. In the book of Leviticus, Leviticus means basically for the Levites. This was, these were instructions to the Levites. What to do? How to deal with situations? If you go to Leviticus chapter 1, Remember, it's following immediately after the, the, the um, construction of the tabernacle. Moses gets instructions directly from God in Exodus 25 all the way to 35, 36 on how to make the tabernacle. And this is so imperative and important because the tabernacle, if you read uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and 10, was a foreshadow of things to come. It pointed to the future, to a, a better reality than the temple or the tabernacle itself. So after the tabernacle was built, at least the plans given in totality, but after it was built, the next book is Leviticus. Now, this is, this is now your building. This is now your structure, place of worship. I'm going to now tell you how to minister in this place of worship. And he gave them, in chapters 1 to 5, five different types of offerings. Five different types of sacrifices. I'm not going to go through each one in detail. The first one was the, the whole burnt offering. Now he's just talking about a principle on how to offer this whole burnt offering. He didn't say on what occasions yet, which, when to do it. This was actually, this was done in, on different occasions, this whole burnt offering. The first three sacrifices, the whole burnt offering, the meal offering or the grain offering, and the peace offering... They were all voluntary. God didn't make you do it. He says, when you do do it, this is how you do it. So the whole burnt offering was there for <clears throat> to burn whole. Everything was totally burned and consumed by fire. Nothing was given to the priests. But it was symbolic of their lives. That their lives need to be completely offered, totally, totally consumed by serving and worshipping God. And he talks about bringing a male, if you, if you look at um, verse 3 of chapter 1, if his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, that is of the cattle or of the, the goats or the sheep, 
Let him offer a male without blemish. This one had to be the male. It was, it was fascinating to see different offerings had males, different offerings had females only, and then other offerings had male and female. But he would take this. Who would take it? The offerer. He would take a bull, a goat, a sheep, and bring it to the door of the tabernacle. The, the outside wall, if you will, was built of sheets and and, and pillars and bring it to the door of that tabernacle and there he would lay the hand on the head and slay the animal and the priest would come and pick up the blood and go he'd dab the he he dab the altar the 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 altar of uh, incense he dab the the altar of fire the the big altar and the horns of the um, of these of these altars, and then he placed this animal onto the onto the fire, and he just consumed. There was later on the application was the continual burnt offering. The priests would every day put on two animals, if I remember correctly, and every day they would burn. Every day, it was going on for the life of worship in the tabernacle and in the temple. And everything will be, the fat, the, the, the meat, everything will just go up to God as a sweet-smelling savor. I'm going to, for the sake of time, go to chapter 5. You can, you can read about the, um, the, 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 the meal offering, the grain offering, and you can read about the peace offering. They were also voluntary but we get to chapter 4 and 5. They talk about the sin offering and the trespass offering. And we have the sin offering in chapter 4 and the trespass offering in chapter 5. Now, again, for the sake of time, they were very similar. They were very similar, except in chapter 5, he mentions... Of someone that had committed sin, that if he in any way defrauded somebody, if in any way he he um, took from someone else that which was wrong, that what didn't belong to him, uh, he would have to give a restitution. Restitution is just another word for a restoration. He would have to restore what he had done wrong and you translate it into today's terms it was if I did something wrong to somebody even if I said something wrong even if I uh, cursed them or, uh, or, or was angry at them or whatever my restitution would be not that I just ask God for forgiveness because every sin is primarily against God. But it is also against my neighbor. And so saying, asking God to forgive me, only goes halfway. He said, the two most important commandments, what, was, what were they that Jesus said? When one came to him and said, Master, what, are the, what is the greatest commandment? He says, 
You know it. <laughs> Love your Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the first commandment. And the other one is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that command, many, many religions have adopted in a, in a different way. The, the, the one that Jesus said, do unto others, not as they do unto you, but he, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Big difference. So in chapter 5, he talks about if you've in any way defrauded somebody of whatever it is, could be that you stole something, you overcharged something, he would say, let's go to verse 16, chapter 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, If a soul commit a trespass and sin through ignorance in the holy things of the Lord, he shall then bring for his trespass unto the Lord a ram without blemish of the flocks with thy estimation for the shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary for a trespass offering. And he shall make amends for the harm that he hath done in the holy thing and shall add the fifth part unto it and give unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering and it shall be forgiven him. So whatever harm you did, whatever damage you did, you add 20% restitution on top of that. I mean, these principles were ancient, but they're true. And Zacchaeus comes and he says, Lord, if I have, and that's a big lesson for us, if we know we have hurt somebody, if we know we've done something wrong, we shouldn't say, if I have. That, that probably angers the other person even more. What do you mean, if you have? You know you did. Let's be, let's be humble. Let's be frank. Let's be honest. Let's be truthful. Let's be transparent. Jesus said, when you, when you pray, say this. When you pray, say this. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those that are our debtors. And we know we fall short so often. So Zacchaeus is, if I have taken, it's because you have taken. You're saying that's pretty presumptuous. He said, why would he say that if he did? He had to go back and say, who did I do this against? So that's a very important point here. You may know that you've done this, but who did you do it to? And how many did you do it to? When we come to God and we say, God, forgive me my sins. Forgive me for my trespasses. Is that all? Oh God, please forgive me for driving drunk and hitting that man and killing him and bringing grief to his family. 
Please forgive me for going to my co-worker and punching him because I was angry. Do we gloss over it or do we want to really be like David was? When he said, God, clear me from blood guiltiness. It may not have appeared to others that Uriah died through a murderous plot. It appeared to everyone that Uriah died in the heat of battle. But David set him up and he told his men, because I want to cover up the fact that I slept with his wife and she's now bringing a new child in. I need to get rid of the evidence and make out it's my child when I marry her. David, for seven days, was repenting to God against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. And you only delight after the, after the truth of the inward man. So Zacchaeus, he was very specific. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. I know I've stolen. I know I've done wrong. And I'm going to repay it. Which sins do you want God to forgive you for? Which sins? Are you willing to confess them? Are you willing to acknowledge them? Or are you ashamed to confess them? Are you ashamed to confess them? If you're ashamed to confess them because of man, because of the fear of man, it's wrong. It's the wrong attitude. It's the wrong way of getting to the heart of God. We should not be ashamed of confessing sin because sin is firstly prim primarily against God. Remember that. Sin is primarily against God. Even though David sinned against Bathsheba and against his, her husband and the people, he said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That's called acknowledging sin. That's called admitting sin. There is another aspect, and that is confession of sin. Not confession of Christ. That, will, that needs to come. Confession of Christ needs to come. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This professing that Jesus Christ is now my Lord. But the confession of sin is something different. And that should be done in private. And it should be done... To glorify God. Because it acknowledges at the same time, this is what I've done. 
And Jesus said, based on that, based on his confession, he called him Lord, and then he confessed his sin. He says, this day is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. What was he a son of Abraham? What did that mean? They were all sons of Abraham. All the Jews were sons of Abraham. As the song goes, Abraham had many sons. Many sons had father Abraham. They were all sons, but they weren't sons of faith. Because Abraham was the son of it was was the father of faith. He was the prime example given in Romans chapter 4 of one who had faith, who believed God. And because he believed God, he was justified. And so Zacchaeus believed Jesus. Zacchaeus believed that he had come from God. He didn't fully understand him, but he believed, just like Nicodemus, you must have come from God. I'm going to call you Lord. And Jesus said in front of them, or whoever was in that room, for the Son of Man is come to save and to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus was lost. I pray that those that are still outside of the fold, that are still wondering why am I not saved? Why am I not baptized? We need to be brutally honest with ourselves first. We've got to be honest with ourselves. Because if we're not honest with ourselves, we will never confess to God. We will never acknowledge our sin. And that's the first step. To be poor in spirit, to say, I have nothing to offer except for my sin. And God will hear that prayer. To him be the glory evermore. A brother, please find a One forty-two. One forty-two. The first four verses.
Brother Ruffer, pray, please. Let's kneel to pray. Father in heaven, we are beyond grateful that uh, our numbers do not reflect the strength of our prayers, dear Father. We know that crowd size does not affect you in any ways either, dear Father. We pray to you sincerely today as we gather um, under the roof you provided us and gather around your word for teaching and learning. We pray, dear Father, that the weight of today's message gives us a convicting burden on our hearts and our minds, dear Father, knowing as we're reminded that if the why is strong enough, the how does not matter, dear Father. As we saw Zacchaeus climbing trees to be seen, as we know, dear Father, that when preparation meets opportunity, dear for glorious things in your name can happen. We thank you again, dear Father, for the short message, but oh, it's weight, dear Father. It should, it should convict us all. You've commanded us to be the salt of the earth, dear Father, and <clears throat> may we spread that salt over the evil that it may not grow, and yet that salt, dear Father, is not only for our own sake, but to enhance and preserve where we see good and gracious things happen. Because as the murmuring that goes on in the Bible, dear Father, Jesus reminds all that he didn't come to save the righteous and the good, dear Father, that he actually sought out, not only sat with sinners, dear Father, he sought them out, chased them down, dear Father, and found as many as he possibly could. And for those who were prepared, like Zacchaeus, dear Father, the rewards and benefits we can't even calculate. We thank you again, dear Father. Small message once again, but huge weight. We're grateful that we could gather today, dear Father, in a warm building. We are mindful that many of our brothers and sisters around the world don't have what you've given us here, and we know that. We thank you, dear Father, that as we gather once again, as we pray for our brothers and sisters in Avon Road, may their lungs be filled with, with with joy and air, dear Father, to give you as much praise and glory as is humanly possible. We thank you again as we ask you to be with them and, um, and, and lift up your name in praise and worship. We thank you for this day, dear Father. We ask that you be with us as we thank you once again, dear Father, for the many blessings you've given us this week as we look forward to the week ahead, uh, especially those, dear Father, that we haven't seen. I'm sure we know that you bless us in ways we don't even see. We thank you for that as we... Uh, Close this service, dear Father, and look forward to more, more later. We thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Fonick, concluding him, please. Hymn number 186, two verses.
So what motivated Zacchaeus? We talked a bit about that. What motivated him? Because he wanted to meet this great man? I think the restitution that he mentioned indicates that he had a burden. He had a great burden. And he wanted to get rid of it. I once read John Bunyan's work on grace. Forget exactly what it's called, Grace Awakening or Grace. And in there he describes that he had this great burden for such a long time. And I forget the exact term he used, but he says, so do you want your pride or your sin? Or do you want life? Which one do you want? What, what is heavier for you? And of course it was his sin. Of course it was his burden. And sometimes we think that because it's harder for me to confess sin because of the shame and the guilt that it produced in me. But that's exactly what God wants you to do. That's exactly what, what God has done to bring you to this point where you feel this guilt, you feel the shame, and the reason you confess and acknowledge and do restitutions is to get rid of that burden. And once you do that, you have peace with God. You surrender everything to God. It happened to me. It happened to the believers that became children of God. They want to get rid of that big burden. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. You just have to give it up. Confess it. Acknowledge it. And it's done. Then you don't have to worry about it for the rest of your life. This is my prayer. I pray that God would convict each and every heart that needs to be convicted. Including me. Including believers that do sin, that we confess them. To him be the glory evermore. I mean, yes, I was going to do that. Thank you. Thank you for the reminder. I forgot to mention, but I was going to mention at the end, um, because of the um, small number, we don't have choir practice, uh, we'd like to commence afternoon service at 1 o'clock. So for those that would like to stay for lunch, I'm sure we have lunch for all. Uh, but please be here back for one o'clock so we can get out earlier. Thank you. This concludes our service.